number 16, uh, verses 1 through 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say oh me. You're all there. I know. Now, Korah, the son of Iskar, the son of Kohat, the son of Levi, and Datan and Aviram, the sons of Eliav and On, the sons of Pelet and the sons of Ruvain, took men and they rose up before Moses and certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation. Notice this. Famous in the congregation and men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. Uh, The Hebrew of this is different than at times uh, where we find Moses fell upon his face and spoke to the Lord. This time it actually in Hebrew means that his face fell, uh, which means he was overcome with grief and with sadness. So Moses fell upon his face and he spake unto Korah and unto his company saying, even, oh I like this, even tomorrow Hebrew is specifically in the morning, the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. I've got a simple title tonight. My pastor, when he was training me, always used to say, get something poetic, something that rhymes, something that people are going uh, to uh, remember. And um, I heard my pastor and youth pastor preach uh, all kinds of sermons that I still remember to this day. I've just got something. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Separation is better. Separation is better. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word is truth. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask God that you would anoint my lips. Lord, your word is already anointed, but I need your anointing tonight. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And Lord, we're very thankful for your blessings that we feel in this place. And I pray, God, that we would continue in them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor before you're seated. Look at him right in the eyes and tell him separation is better. I'm going to attempt to stay close to the pulpit tonight. But let me also be clear. It's not because I'm afraid of you. Or maybe I should be. No. Let me be abundantly clear tonight. This message is not about politics or to promote disunity in your family or in the church. The separation tonight that I feel led to address is the separation that God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has called us to. This message tonight is not a 
holier than thou message, and it's not intended to condone egocentric behaviors and attitudes of the saints. Nor is it to promote pride. For all of these things we know according to the word of God are equally damning to the soul. But I have come tonight to preach into your heart that the creator from the very beginning, from the very birth of this universe, was the one who saw fit in his infinite wisdom to make separations. And he started in Genesis 1 and verse 3 by separating light from darkness. The scripture is very clear. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. At the very root of creation, brothers and sisters, he never said that darkness was good. We live in a generation that calls right wrong and evil good. But from the very beginning, God said the light is good and he separated it from darkness. And he never came along and said that the darkness was good. I want to encourage somebody today and tell you that Light is still good and darkness is still unrighteousness and unholiness. And God from the beginning has separated the light from the darkness. I've come here to tell you that darkness is still dark. And that the light of God's presence and power is still righteousness and holiness. God never said that the darkness was good. Separation and goodness, godliness and holiness have always been and will always be defined by the Word of God. The Word of God that never changes. The Word of God that is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change with the signs of the times. It doesn't change with the fads and the fashions of men. This Word is the measuring rod by which each and every one of us will be judged in the last days. And I have come by to preach to somebody today and say holiness is still right. Separation is the better way. It's not the message of the world, but till God takes me from this world, it will be the message that I preach. It will be the foundation upon which I stand. Most people who oppose holiness amazingly do not all, do not, uh, they don't fight with the author. They like to fight with the messenger. Many people who fight holiness, biblical holiness, claim to have a better revelation than the revelation of holiness and the understanding of holiness and the clear definition of separation. So they understand picking a fight with the author and finisher of our faith is not a very good idea. So in turn, the fight then comes to you and to me. People who decided a long time ago that we will stand for Jesus and let the world go by. 
But understand our opposition today is not unprecedented. The Bible, in the text that we took tonight with regards to Korah. Korah, the Bible is very clear, was a fellow Levite from the same tribe of Moses and Aaron. In fact, Korah was the very cousin of Moses and Aaron. There are people today, according to our text, people who command authority and are respected, men and women who have big names, big ministries, hold big positions, but are on the wrong side of the line when it comes to separation. Instead of aligning themselves with Moses and Aaron, Korah and his company and his henchmen decided to look at the congregation of Israel and say, here are these Levites who have taken authority over us, who claim to be the ones that are bringing the true message. But we are also Levites. We are also the children of God. They began to try to usurp authority over God's anointed and not only was this a big problem just if it had been from any tribe but it came from two powerful tribes first it came from Levi the tribe of Levi who Korah was a part of the Levitical priesthood definitely carried some weight in the among the children of Israel but it's also important to recognize that some of them were from the tribe of Reuben and one of the problems that the people who were descendants of the tribe of Reuben had was we were the firstborn of Jacob so why is it that the thirdborn of Jacob is usurping authority claiming to be the Kohen Gadol the high priest and the Navi of all of us the pre uh, the prophet of all of us for what reason are we allowing this they're taking the authority they're the ones that are speaking to us all of these things of God what was Korah really saying I believe that I I have an understanding that Moses and Aaron doesn't have. He wanted an opportunity to stand up and to preach to God's holy people. I want to tell you today that in pulpits all across this world are people that have the spirit of Korah that have the spirit of Datan, that have the spirit of Aviram, they have this evil spirit upon them trying to trip up the people of God. But I've come by here for just a little while tonight to tell you we've got to keep our pulpits clean, preaching the word of God. Don't give me somebody who's going to scratch me on the back and tell me that it's all right. Give me somebody that's going to get up in my face and say, Jeremy, this is right, this is wrong. This is holy. This is unholy. It is an amazing thing that when the spirit of Korah gets upon someone, it never attacks God, even though it's His word that we're preaching. It always goes after the pulpit. So the Bible tells us, oh, I love this. The Bible tells us, that there were many who came. You see, Korah doesn't like to go by himself. Uh, I said I wasn't going to. By George, I'm going to come out here. Korah likes to build a team. I'm still not scared, so I'll come down here. Korah likes to go around. 
and find somebody else that wants to live differently. That wants to hear a different message. That wants to hear a different voice. Oh, my, my, my. Korah likes to go around and find somebody with a big name. That's what the text said. Men of renown. That word renown, you can look it up if you would like to. It is the word name. In the Hebrew, men of renown actually uses the word Shem, which is the word for name in Hebrew. They went and got some people with a name. Some people who maybe had a lot of gold to donate to the tabernacle. Some people who had some influence, maybe big families. Some people who could rock the boat if they got upset. Oh boy. Brought all of them. How many? 250. And it was not just anyone. Dear brothers and sisters, this was the family of Moses. That's why his face fell. My own cousin has come to me and said, I should not be the main one speaking. That I should not be the one who's leading. That I should not be the one who is a mediator here between the children of Israel and Almighty God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. But the Bible is very clear. As Moses' face fell, he gave Korah and all of his company an opportunity to repent. He went to them and he spoke to them. He went to God and he prayed for them. And God said, here's what you're to do, Moses. Get as far back from them and all the congregation of Israel. Because I'm going to kill all of them. Separation is better. God said, Moses, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to separate yourself. Even from the congregation. But Moses, because he had a heart for the people, he said, would you allow the sin of one to kill everyone? God said, I'm convinced. Get all the congregation. See if they'll separate. See if the church will separate. See if they will separate from false doctrine. Separate from unholiness. Separate. Oh, boy. See if they will do it. Moses went and told them. And what began to happen? The Bible says that the earth began to open up and began to consume Korah. And consumed the 250 in his company. They were consumed by the world. Hello. Consumed by the world. The Bible says... That the congregation of Israel fled from them. Fleeing for their lives. But the next day. 14,700 souls. Who were they mad at? Not the God that opened the earth. They were mad at the messenger. Which is proof to us. That holiness and separation is not just only a physical thing, but it is also something that is inside. Even though they ran from the destruction, their hearts were still full of the gangrene 
of sin and unholiness. I think it's interesting what happened. The Bible says that a plague began to consume the children of Israel. And in spite of all the things that Moses had stood up against, the Bible tells us he didn't just say, let them be consumed. He had compassion. These were people, people of God, people that carried the name of Israel, people who had the law, people who he wanted God to have mercy upon them. So what did Moses do? He took off running. And he stood between the plague and the people. He stood between the dead and the living. Moses stood between them. And the Bible tells us that God allowed that plague to stop. All because a man of... One man, Brother Snow... Had enough gumption, let me use the Hebrew word, had some chutzpah about him, had some temerity and some audacity to stand between death and the children of Israel. Let me tell you, when we get up here and preach holiness, we're doing it to stand between certain death and the people of God. It's not because we're mad at anybody. It's not because we think we're better than anybody. It's that we know what the book says. And we know that it's holiness or hell. Separation is better. Thank God we have a pastor that breaks it down for us Gerber style. He wants us to digest it. He wants us to hear it. Bishop wants us to walk in the light of its power and its glory. God said, if you want to survive the destruction, Israel, you've got to separate yourself from Korah. Separation is better. When we stand in the pulpit and we cry out, repent! It's not... A holier-than-thou message. The word repent means to return. We're telling you wrong way. Turn around. Because each and every one of us must understand this. Heaven will be cheap no matter the cost. While some people are sitting around counting pennies. Of what they're willing to give up. What they're willing to do. What scriptures that they want to obey. What scriptures they don't want to obey. The preacher is here trying to give you the full counsel of God. Saying that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It's time to get in. And it's time to love him. Like we've never loved him before. I love this scripture in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 3. Hear me. Separation is better. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son. Nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me. That they may serve other gods. So, will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you? 
and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them. Here's how you deal with, I like to call them the ites. Everyone say ites. I just wanted to make you say it. The ites. Here's how you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars. Break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God. Listen. Listen. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God <laughs> said, when you come into the house of all the ites, talking about the land of Israel. When they got there, there were a bunch of ites. There were the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, probably even some termites. All kinds of things were there. All of the ites were there. And God, he didn't exaggerate. He didn't try to make them feel better by saying, you're bigger and greater. He said, no, no, they're bigger. Yeah, they're greater. They got more than you, but you've got one thing that they don't have, and that is you are chosen. Bishop, as long as I live... I will never be intimidated by a pagan house of worship that worships three gods, two gods, millions of gods. Brother and Sister Snow, we've stood in the face of 330 million gods and declared, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I will never apologize for it. The Bible is very, very clear. God said, they are greater, they are bigger, but you are chosen. I don't want you to ever drive through town and seeing somebody's got a bigger building than we've got. Somebody's pastor drives a better car than we've got. Somebody's wearing a better suit than what you've got. No, no, no. A thousand times no. That spirit of inferiority, I cast it out of here in Jesus' name. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I read that scripture to my wife today in the office and I said it gets me every time fighting back tears thinking about how God said I've shown my love upon you because I've chosen you and I loved you so much that I would bring you out of the bondage of Egypt. Why? Because I've got something for you to do. Don't look back to Egypt. Don't have the appetites of the land of Egypt. He said when you get there first of all he said, yeah, separation is better. I pray that this is not over the line. 
But God said, don't marry him. <laughs> oh, boy. When you go into that land, there might be some lookers. There might be, you know, those old Girgashite beefcakes, ladies. God said, my daughters aren't to marry them. My sons. Did you notice that the scripture was actually addressing the parents? Don't let it happen. You need to start praying right now. Parents, grandparents, for your children and grandchildren. That they find their God-chosen spouse. I know it's not the way the world does it. The world likes to move in for a little while first. Why? You wouldn't, try on, you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first. I've heard people say that. Don't marry them. Parents, oppose it. Oh, I know that's not popular. And I know that that's a problem in this day and age. But I'm here to declare to you separation is better. Let me say it like this if I could. I don't like missionary dating either. I'm going to date him and win him to the Lord. Missionary. What would you say? Oh, I like that better than missionary dating. Flirt to convert. That's a new one. I'm going I'm to get some mileage out of that one. Flirt to convert. Missionary dating. I don't like it. Let me tell you the reason why. If you want to be a missionary, marry a one God apostolic who knows the truth, loves the truth. Then move overseas and go be a missionary. Then go win souls somewhere. Yes, there are one or two missionary dating stories that somehow made it. But I'm going to tell you I've got dozens of dumpster fires. And you know the very thing I'm talking about, church family. Separation is better. Young people, hear my heart today. I'm not meaning to scold anybody. I'm not trying to get on to anybody. I want to see you saved. I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you in that new Jerusalem. I want to see you walk in truth and in holiness. And you can do it. You've got to stay out of marrying the ike. Oh, glory. Uh, mm. Preach it, Brother Lang. I just wanted to hear it tonight. Preach it, Brother Lang. I will. Amen. Ephesians 4 and 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles Walk. We see how they walk. But we walk to the beat of a different drum. And so this is the reason why Deuteronomy 16 and 21 declares, Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, 
which thou shalt make thee. Did you notice? In the scripture I read from Deuteronomy, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in, tear down their altars. That means get them out of here. Level them to the ground. But that's not enough. They planted some things. That you're also going to have to uproot. And so it's amazing to me that later on in Deuteronomy 16, God said, listen, whenever you build the temple, don't plant trees around it. Why? Because it was the planting of trees and worshiping there and offering gifts at the feet of these trees and these poles which they decorated and they made all kinds of obeisance to them. God said, I want nothing like this in my house. Why was it against the law of God to not have one of these, what we know as Asherah trees? This was used in the worship of Asherah because they thought that it was these trees which beautified their worship, beautified their temples, beautified all of these things. And God said, when it comes to my temple... The very fact that it's a place of worship is all the beauty that you need. You don't need anything. Oh, here I go. You don't need anything extra applied from the outside. You don't need any the colors of the blooms of these trees. And oh boy. You don't need anything outside to beautify my temple. That's what God was saying. He said, this is the way that the pagans do it. This is the way that they do it. They, they beautify their temples. They want it to look pleasing to the physical eye. God said, what I've got in my temple has nothing to do with the physical eye. It has to do with the spiritual worship that takes place. I want to tell somebody today. Today, know ye not that you are the temple of the the Holy Ghost. You don't need anything from this world to make you more beautiful, to make you more attractive. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you've already got it. Oh, glory. God said nothing like this is going to take place in my temple. I'm thankful today to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I want to encourage somebody today who's maybe battling, feeling inferior. So you're putting on cosmetics and putting on all of this junk from the world. Listen, if you've got the truth inside of you, you are beautiful in the eyes of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't have to please anybody in this world. You don't even have to please your own ego. We stand before God today, a Holy God. God who has filled us with his Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. What? 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Listen. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well... The spirit of Korah will come along and say, holiness is all about the inside. And eh, wrong. Thanks for playing. Next caller, please. The text says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you glorify God in your body and in your spirit. 
Some people would tell you it's all about what's inside. God doesn't care about what's on the outside. No. Jesus was very clear. He said, I want you to be clean both without and within. Separation is better. Separation is better. And what agreement 2 Corinthians 6 16 declares. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. There is coming a day, church family, that I want to be received of Him. But I understand that He's not coming back after a church that is dirty or a person that is stained of this world. He's coming back after a people whose garments have been washed whiter than snow in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you are feeling some conviction tonight. Thank God if you can feel conviction. There are a lot of people in this world that can no longer feel conviction because they've already been given over to a seared conscience. You need to be thankful today if you can feel some conviction in the house. That means that you're still tender. You're still sensitive to the Word of God and the moving of the Holy Ghost. Now it's time to repent. Now it's time to get it right. You can do it. God is for you. So we don't let this world tell us that God only cares about the inside he cares about the inside and the outside and I belong to him and you belong to him we are his and oh boy let me kick it up a notch um, gold is valuable in this world monetarily it's valuable some people like to wear it. But I want you to know that in that new Jerusalem, it's pavement. It's just pavement. You're going to walk on it. You're going to dance on it. So while you're here in this world, don't be bound by something that in the world to come is going to be pavement. Separation is better. Yes, it is. Now you think, well, that's easy to preach here in the United States. Oh, the Snows and myself and my family have lived and worked in a land that boasts gold is God. Gold is God. I thought there were people bound by gold here in America. Then I moved to India and I realized that you know, we're just low-hanging fruit over here. Over there, it's tough. I am so amazed at Brother and Sister Snow and how we got yoked up together in Nepal. It was at the UPC General Conference. The missionary called me to preach, and I met Brother Snow there. And little did we know Brother Snow and I went up on the roof of that hotel and had breakfast together every morning long before anybody else got up. And God linked our hearts together at that time. 
we had no idea we would be working together after that. And it's amazing when I think about Jesus and the paths, the people that he's allowed our paths to cross and intersect and be able to work together. I'm reminded of the text when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in Hebrew. Ani hadelek, ha-emes, ha-chai. That word derek in Hebrew is most perfectly translated as the journey. Jesus said, I'm not just a part of the journey. He said, I am the journey. And when I think about my Jesus, my journey, that brought the snows and myself together, I'm so grateful. And even though some of you in this place may not like Indian food, in my house, that's what you're going to see most of the time. And in the snow residence, and it's starting to bleed into the Haney residence for reasons unknown. Oh, glory. You look at Sister Snow and you see this little modest apostolic Indian of Nepali descent sitting up here. But let me tell you what I saw from her three years ago in Mumbai, where gold is God, where she stood up in front of Trinitarian pastors who don't preach and teach what you and I hold so very dear. She stood up there, and even though my Hindi is not very good, I speak Tamil pretty well. But I don't speak Hindi very well. But I understood. I don't know if maybe it was the Holy Ghost. I understood what she was speaking to those pastors. She stood up in front of them and taught them about holiness, modesty, separation. This little thing right up here stood up. We were all outnumbered there in Mumbai, were we not, Brother Snow? We were outnumbered. There were more Trinitarians there than there were apostolics. But we didn't care. God said, it doesn't matter that you're fewer than they are. It doesn't matter that they're bigger than you are. You are the chosen ones. Don't be ashamed. As long as I live, Bishop, I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. She stood up there and without fear or favor began to preach to them, began to speak to them, and God began to do a work in their lives. I have no doubt that many of them have accepted the truth all because of that little lady right there who got up and spoke the truth. You might think the world doesn't want it. You might think, what can we give to the denominal world? I want to tell you, we've got something precious today and we dare not lose it. Hang on to it. I'm telling you, separation is better. It's an amazing thing. The Bible tells us Esther... When she was paraded along with a bunch of pagans, that little Jewish woman stood up in front of the king. The Bible says she required nothing. Oh boy. While everyone else, cover girls, while they were walking through, the music is playing in the background. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Okay. Bad example, maybe. But when God's young 
maiden walked through. The Bible says she didn't need anything. I don't think it was just her physical appearance only. There was something spiritual about what was happening. Why? Because this was a person who came into the kingdom for such a time as this. And so the Bible is very clear. God raised her up because she was going to have to talk to an earthly king sometime. And what better person to talk to an earthly king than one who three times a day talks to the king of kings. Young people, can I encourage you? Young men, young women in this place. We've got marriages that are coming up and all kinds of things. And it's exciting. It's an exciting time. But let me encourage everyone in this room. If he or she will not meet you at a Holy Ghost apostolic altar on a Sunday night to pray. Please. Please. Don't meet them at an altar and take vows before a holy God. We have too many marriages today who are falling by the wayside because the marriages and the relationships are built upon the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The only value, the only value that should compel one to marry another is how many gods are there? What must I do to be saved? Do they know how to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? If they don't, you need to wait till they do or you need to go on to somebody else. Make a train wreck of your life because of it. So, I think it's an interesting thing. When my wife and I got married, you know, I, the night that I got engaged to my wife, I preached. I was so nervous because my, my message was for her. I'm not kidding. I got up there and I preached about Adam and Eve, read the scripture and everything, had everybody standing up and everything, prayed. I said, now, the great thing about Adam having such a good wife is that he found the one that was made for him. You got to find the one that's made for you. And I said, now I'm ready to give the altar call. Shortest sermon I've ever preached in my life. I said, ready to give the altar call. But before you all start running, this altar calls just for one person. And I invited her up, and before God and everybody, I proposed to my wife. And thank God she said yes. Otherwise, that would have been our, that would have been our evening news thing. Or, well, YouTube debut, certainly. You could still dial it up and see it because it was on camera. I was so thankful that she said yes. But the thing that I was most smitten by was the fact that this young lady was picked up on the church bus in shorts and a pair of cowboy boots from a broken home 
She knew about family going to jail. She knew about family addicted to drugs. She knew about having a home that was not peaceful, a home where there was no holiness. There was no Shekhinah in their, in their home as she was growing up. She didn't understand what the Holy Ghost was, but as an 11-year-old, this bus kid sitting back there holding number five, that's what I like to say, <laughs> came into contact with the truth, the unadulterated version of it, the whole counsel of God, and she accepted it in the face of all of her family that still to this day do not serve God, but she stands in the truth and the holiness of God's word. I said, bless God, I'm going to India. I got to have somebody who's going to be able to stand when times get tough. I want you to know I am thankful for this church and the stance that this assembly has taken for holiness. You never know the ones that come in that you might be afraid might be turned off by the truth. They might just be the very ones that carry this message to faraway lands and preach it to another generation. When we got married, oh boy. You know, I mean, every guy in this place can recall when the wife came down that aisle and you're looking and I'm sitting there and I, I was having heart palpitations and everything. I preached to thousands, but that day I was nervous. And it was an amazing thing. On that day I looked at her and I'm like, boy, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. After we got married, we, you know our story, we, we went on our honeymoon to Jamaica and then we turned around Came home for a couple of weeks and then moved to India. And I told everyone, I highly recommend that. (laughs) Tyler, Marcy, I'm looking at you all. Get married and go to India. I might not let you back for a little while as well. But it's an interesting thing. We went, had a meal with our photographer right before we moved overseas and our wedding photographer, I didn't know who he was. He had a business, and um, we met up with him, and he was going over pictures with us, and, and it was expensive, but, you know, we were thankful, and he did a good job. And after all of that, he said, now, I brought something special because I have a request for you. He said, I got a bunch of extras that I want to give to you as sort of a payment. Am I telling it right, Mama? And uh, I said, okay. He said, my wife and I talked after your wedding. We said, we had, we had never seen a, a wedding felt like what we felt when we were there at that wedding. He said, um, he took his glasses off and he set them down on the table. He rubbed his eyes and he said, I've never seen a more beautiful bride. And he said, and then I realized it was because of modesty. This was not an apostolic. And he said, I realized that's what was different. And then we've got a bunch of free stuff. And we walked out of there, and I was holding on to my wife. 
And she said, well, what did you think about that? I mean, the guy, was, the guy was almost in tears as he was talking to us. I said, well, that was the weirdest. Th- I wasn't expecting that when we took our wedding photographer out to Denny's. <laughs> he got a lumberjack slam and got turned into a revival. Moon's over Miami, you know. It's an interesting thing. I, I, I was blown away, and I told my wife, I said, Holiness is beautiful, period. And it's not only apostolics that think that. My Trinitarian or whatever photographer who doesn't know what we believe, didn't have any idea what it was that we taught, noticed something. This is the reason why, brothers and sisters, don't walk around ashamed of who you are, ashamed of what God has called you to be. This world is taking notice of who we are. Have you ever watched a choir that was swaying back and forth like this? And then... The one like me gets trying to figure it out. And I... It's the one that's different that everyone looks at and everyone observes. And everybody's thinking, huh, wonder what their deal is. In this ever-changing world, they're looking for someone who's swaying a little bit differently than all of the fads and fashions of this world, all of the things that's coming out of Hollywood, all of the things that's being popularized on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Come on, somebody. That ain't holiness. That ain't... Come on, somebody. I believe that the world is looking for someone who's going to sway differently, who's going to walk differently, and who's going to talk differently. Who better than the people who may be fewer, and there might be greater, there might be bigger out there, but there are just a few that have been chosen. And dear brothers and sisters, it's you who have been chosen. It's me who have been chosen, and I'm not ashamed of it. As you stand with me tonight, oh, I preached longer than I wanted to. I wanted to get done in 20 minutes and stay out of trouble. (laughs) Separation is better. There is a spirit of condoning unholiness and unrighteousness that wishes to infiltrate the church of the living God. You and I have to head off that spirit. We do it by staying close to our Heavenly Father. Revelation 18 and 4. This is the message. This is the word that's going forth. I believe to the end time generation, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. That you be not partakers of her sins. And that you receive not of her plagues. There's a lot I'd like to say about this verse in the book of Revelation. But let me just, just suffice it to say. There are some things. That 
we need to come out of. We've got to walk in the light of his truth. And every one of us can be victim to those spirits because you're the target. I'm the target. We are the target. Pastor preached it today. Did you notice after you got in church is when true battles really started? Why? Because when you join the church, you're in opposition of hell. When you're singing the same song and preaching the same sermon as hell, hell's not going to fight you over that. When you start to walk in the light of God's word, that's when things begin to change. Come out of her, my people. The spirit of Rome is definitely a tough one to overcome. The influence of Babylon has been a lasting one for many millennia now. Yet there still goes forth a call to separate. I've not found the doctrines of Rome attractive. I find them repulsive. But I'm also not ignorant of the devices of Satan as we heard today already. He'd have you to believe that God is in three persons. He'd have you to believe that baptism is not essential. He would have you to believe you're not worthy to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I declare to you today, if God saw fit to fill you with his spirit that is holy, then you do have it within you to walk in holiness. He would even lie to you and say that the Holy Ghost is not real today. I've heard it said, I've heard it sung. Let me say it again, Bishop. Well, if God is dead, then who is this living in my soul? Whoever it is has given me salvation. Whoever it is has given me deliverance. Whoever it is has given me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Peace that passes all understanding. Oh, yes. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost today. And yes, it is for you. Maybe you have made mistakes in the past. Maybe you have dropped the watermelon, so to speak. But I want to preach to you today and tell you there's some good news for you. Today, you can be born again. Today can be a new day for you. Today can be a fresh start for you. That's the God that we serve. So forgive me today. If I preach too long, forgive me today. If I rub you the wrong way, I certainly didn't mean to. And I hope that you can hear my heart. I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, separation is better than the alternative. Separation is still the message. Come out of her, my people. I hear that clarion call from heaven today. Come out of her, my people, today. I want to call the elect of God. Would you agree that separation is better? If today you're making up your mind, I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to walk in light. I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to walk in separation. Maybe you've stumbled. I've got good news. Get up today. We've all stumbled. You can have a fresh start today, but it starts here at this altar. Would you come today, St. God? Can you hear the call being shouted forth today? Come out of her, my 
people. I'm going to walk in holiness. I've made up my mind. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I've made up my mind. I'm not ashamed of the truth. I'm not ashamed to be called one of them. Would you come, saints of God? Would you come today?